people will complain about the old boys network in any sort of industry. Yes, it exists. It's not a fake thing. It exists, but you can create it around you. So whenever you're like, oh, it's all about who you know, and it's, you're all salty, you should be making that your unfair advantage. You should be using that unfair advantage, not just whining about how other people have it. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Chris Harder Show. Today, I'm sitting down with someone who I've wanted to sit down with for a long, long time. He's been an acquaintance of mine for a while, Jordan Harbinger. Now, Jordan is a Wall Street lawyer turned podcast legend. I mean, he has had so much success in the podcast world over the past 14 years. It's been mind-blowing. Now, his current show, The Jordan Harbinger Show, was selected as one of Apple's best of 2018. That's a huge award, you guys. And get this, it has over 11 million listeners per month. That is massive. Now, Jordan is also one of the best networkers I've ever met on the planet. He does it so naturally. So, of course, we're going to do a deep dive into his Connect Four method for networking. And we're going to talk about how networking has changed without live events due to the COVID world that we live in right now. You can still connect effectively, and he's going to teach you exactly how. And of course, it'd be a waste not to, to get into and discuss how to grow such a large, successful podcast, because I know selfishly, I want to learn, and I know many of you have a podcast or you're thinking about starting one as well, and you would like to learn. So he's going to talk about how to monetize it and what the future of podcasting is really going to look like. And I think you're going to be interested on his take on the new app Clubhouse and how that may or may not affect uh, podcasting as well. And speaking of being a networking legend, you have a chance to do that too. Let's be honest. We're not getting out in public and, and meeting people the way that we used to, but we still crave like-minded people to grow our business with and collaborate with. Matter of fact, we don't just crave it. It's a must. It's a lifeline for your business. And if you're doing it, you're going to succeed. And if you're not doing it, chances are you're going to fail. And so we're going to make that easy for you because we've decided to do one more round of our legendary virtual mastermind called Fast Foundations. And this is for everybody who has a business who's just getting started all the way up to earning 499 grand a year. So if that's you, if you have not found your circle of influence to collaborate with, that understands you, to learn with, and quite honestly, if you just want us to lift the curtain on every single thing that we're doing to build an online business then here's what you got to do. This thing sells out right away all the time. And so I'm going to give you a chance to get a 24-hour head start before we open enrollment to all of our social media, to our mailing list. We're talking tens and tens. No, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. So before we open enrollment to all of them, I'm going to give you a chance to get a 24-hour head start and $500 off 
that the rest of those people will not get. And here's how you get that chance. If you're serious about joining us and grabbing one of those spots in Fast Foundations, I want you to text the word FAST to me, F-A-S-T, text the word FAST to me at 310-421-0416. Again, text me the word FAST to 310-421-0416. Text FAST to 310-421-0416. You're going to get a 24-hour head start so that you don't miss out on one of those FAST Foundation seats and 500 bucks off that nobody else will get outside of that text list. All right, guys, listen up, take some notes, do all the things, because this is a great episode. Let's get going. All right, Jordan, my friend, thank you for being on the show. Listen, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Uh, you're somebody who I've always wanted to connect with and, and just haven't had the opportunity other than a, a quick couple quick passings at Thrive. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know you today, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we're in our little COVID bubbles here, so it's kind of nice to hang out with one dude in a purple background and another guy in a white background. You know, that's <laughs> that's the, that's the reality nowadays. It's funny. I literally just hung up with. Do you know who, who Rob Deerdeck is? Yeah. So we're yeah, talking yeah. about an upcoming project. We have a few companies together, and uh, he goes, "Why are you in a winter hat?" And I said, "Yeah, man. Honestly, I've just gotten so lazy with COVID that." I haven't showered yet today and I wore this because it was 40 degrees out when I went on my walk this morning. And he's just like, that's par for the course. Like this COVID bubble that you're talking about, your purple background, me in the hat, like, dude, we've just let go of so many aesthetic things that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the majority of the... There's a lot of people where they, we used to jokingly say like, yeah, I work from home. And now I'm like, you know, I just... I only put on pants because it's, it just makes me feel like I'm doing work. Whereas there were a few months there where I was like, I'm just never going to wear pants again. And now I've like graduated to sweatpants, but I don't think I'm going back to pants ever. Dude, I had to put on real pants pants uh, for like a, a dinner we were going out to and I hadn't worn pants pants. So just like sweats and shorts, like shorts with the, the loose band for, mm -hmm. I am not kidding, six, seven, eight months. And I had to put on pants and I was so scared to put them on because like, oh, am I going to fit? And, yeah. and they didn't fit. I actually had to go find pants that fit if I'm really being real, but Cringe. pants suck. Pants, they're overrated. They do suck. They suck. And it's, it's, a, I'm always, I'm like, I, how did I, one, these jeans are not comfortable. They don't stretch. You know, they're not like they were, I just look at these sweatpants I wear now and I'm like, how, how have I not done just sweatpants life? I mean, I've worked from home for a long time. So now it's, now it really is sweatpants life. I got to find the ones that look like regular pants so that I don't look like the guy who just like <laughs> walked out of the strip club at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> on a Tuesday. The dudes that wear the, the sweatpants in the middle of the afternoon to the strip club, you always got to be leery of those dudes. Never sit next to one of those guys. Also, you shouldn't go to the strip club at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. But Two if you do, don't sit next to the guy. Two great pieces of life advice right there. Two <laughs> yeah. great pieces got, of life advice. I got a lot of wisdom. And one of them, one of those pieces of wisdom is that, yeah, never sit next to the guy in sweatpants at the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listen, I kick these shows off with a round of one word answers. It's a fun way for people to get to know you and pick up the pace a little bit. You down? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right, start easy. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Detroit, Michigan area. Ah, fellow Midwesterner. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you live now? I live in San Jose, California. Favorite book or podcast? Ooh, uh, it's, how, it's so hard to pick favorite books. Favorite podcast right now, this this moment in time, uh, Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. Oh, yeah. So good. Uh, one person who's made a positive impact on you? Uh, my mom. <laughs> Love that. One or does that not count? <laughs> no, that totally counts, man. Moms definitely okay. count. 
uh, one thing the world needs to improve? Uh, take money out of politics. That's not a one-word answer. But yeah, that's but all right. If you say it quick enough, it's one word. That's like the loophole. Yeah. Favorite trait in other people? Mm, responsiveness. Oh, I thought you were say responsibility. Re- I like that. I was going to say reliability, but responsiveness came out. Honestly, it's just reliability is better. <laughs> people that respond, damn it. What yeah. makes you laugh? Oh, what makes so many things? Let me see. Gosh, no, how do I explain things that make me laugh? One word. Oh, God. Mm. How about kids? Yeah. Kids always make me laugh. Yeah. I love it. Just a couple more, couple more of these uh, superpower that you have. Hmm. I'm quick on my feet when it comes... <laughs> Ironically, yeah. long pause. I'm quick on my feet when it comes to answering questions in a live environment. I love that that's the superpower after the long pause. Uh, yeah. One more here. What are you most grateful for today? Oh, man. It's really sunny outside and I just took a walk, which is one reason why I'm like, all right, I kind of want to take a nap after this show, of course. Uh, not during. But yeah, it was really... It's been really, really nice the past few days. Very cool, man. I feel you on that. Okay. Let's get a little bit deeper in the show. You were kidnapped twice, not once, freaking twice. And here's what you probably mm. don't know. My wife, Lori, was also kidnapped in Mexico once. Really? Yeah. Oh, now, that's scary. I mean, you have 100% more kidnappings on her, so you're winning. But it's how true. nuts up... is that? Dude, tell us the story. How in the hell did you get kidnapped twice? So Mexico, the the so this is... I've done like two-hour shows on this, but I'll give you, of course, the... Yeah, the Cliff Notes. The Cliff Notes version. Mexico kidnapping was like in the year 2000. I got into what turned out to be a fake taxi. That's actually how most people get nabbed mm-hmm. in any country, especially Mexico. That's how my wife like, got nabbed, dude. Is it? Yeah. And then they're like, go to five ATMs and take out $300 and then they just drop you off somewhere. That kind of thing. Hers was different. Hers was, you know, let's try and assault you, but they picked a, a woman who beat the piss off him, stole his fake cab and drove back to town. No joke. That's funny. That's interesting. I ended up in a physical conflict with the cab driver as well and tried to drive his cab but couldn't because it was a really, really old 1968 VW stick shift and it just I just couldn't get it in the year. So <laughs> and also I was like in super adrenaline mode. So I just took the keys out and chucked them. But that's fortunate that she was able to like fight back and and drive, you know? Yeah, really fortunate. Okay. So you're kidnapped in Mexico, fake cab. What was the outcome? Uh I had to flee Mexico because I don't know if the cab driver was still kicking when we were done. So I just, I, I flagged somebody down. Oh, you thought you killed them? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, got driven to a metro station. And then the guy who dropped me off at the metro station, just a stranger, it was like a doctor. He's like, don't go to the police and report this. He's like, wow. you don't know what happened to the cab driver. The cops kidnap people here. They're corrupt. They could throw you in prison. They could extort you. Just don't tell anyone. He's like, well, you should move. Wow. Because that cab driver sort of knows the neighborhood you live in. Yep. Um, Because that's where he picked you up. He's like, you should just move or go home. So I did. Were you wigging? I was wigging for sure. Yeah. Funny, funny term. I was 1000% wigging. And I was, you know, like adrenaline flowing, like really feeling crappy, pack all your shit at night, move like the next day to another city. Yeah, it was kind of, it was, it sucked. But I mean, Mexico City is really dangerous. It was really dangerous then. And it's probably even worse now. There's so many cool things there, but it is it is not like... I mean, those types of places... Uh, it's funny because whenever I say this, I inevitably get emails from expats that are like, Mexico's totally safe and fine. And then I get emails from actual Mexicans who've lived there their whole life. And they're like, yep, totally happens. 
Uh, I've known like a dozen people that this exact thing has happened to over the course of my 30 years on earth. So it's, it is funny. Like it just shows you what kind of bubble people live in when they move someplace new and they didn't grow up there. They really do tend to have like a almost rose colored glasses for the place. Dude, they can say it's as safe as they want. But if my wife was kidnapped in Mexico and you were kidnapped in Mexico, I mean, that's a pretty crazy trend. It's a decent sample size of people. Like, look, a lot of people go to Mexico and don't get kidnapped. Most, in fact. But I've never heard of anybody going to Canada and getting kidnapped. That's <laughs> anecdotal. It's not scientific. But still, come on. <laughs> All right. Where, where's the second place? How'd you get kidnapped? To, like, kidnap me once. What's, what's the old saying? Shame on, shame shame on, on you. Me. Kidnap me twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, so can't be kidnapped again. Kidnapped the second time. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, that I was uh, working in a country called Serbia, which is part of the former Yugoslavia. And uh, I was unregistered, even though I was foreign. So they knew I was in the country, but I didn't register with the police due to a long sort of saga of negative interactions with the police. So these security agents came after me, assuming that I was a spy, uh, grabbed me and my friend, ended up putting us in their little like interrogation safe house scenario, but they were super wasted and it was really early in the morning. They'd been like drinking or get, doing drugs all night. So, uh, th- and this is like their state security guys. So basically we're still not sure if it was criminals and or legit state security people, probably, probably the former, but yeah. hard to say. And then uh, I waited for, I waited for slash created an opportunity to get rid of the guy for long enough to escape. That's wild, dude. So, okay. Yeah. Kidnapped twice. Any part of these experiences shape your view of life or, or have impact on how you show up today? Not, not really, because most people don't have ill intent when they're dealing with you. Um, and most people never even go to Serbia on a visit of any kind. And that's another thing that's funny. People, Serbians who live in America who moved here when they were like two, they're like, shame on you. Serbia is amazing. Don't talk badly about my country. And I'm like, I'm not. I love Serbia. I went back after that. I have tons of friends there. But then Serbians that live in Serbia are like, yeah, that happens. I'm really sorry about that. That sucks. Yeah, my, it happened to my uncle and my cousin and my Aww. friend Vladimir. You know, like, they'll, it's really, again, interesting how people choose to, which hill they die on. But no, I wouldn't say that this is something that has deeply impacted the way that I look at other people because I... I I know a lot of people who have a lot of bad experiences with others, like cops, you know? Mm-hmm. And those, there's a reason that there's like the stereotype of like, you never want to date a cop's daughter because they're always super suspicious. And like the cop movies always have the guy be like super tough and his girl's a daddy's girl and he's like overprotective. Like that stereo exists because those people are constantly every day dealing with like fringe humanity, mm-hmm. uh, negative usually uh, humanity. And so they become hardened by that. And I was like, all right, I have to make the choice here. Am I going to be, am I never going to take a cab again because I might get kidnapped? Or am I going to literally just realize that this is a once in a lifetime, uh, well, for me twice, <laughs> but getting into a fake cab, you know, a once in a lifetime sort of issue. Now I just use Uber. It's not a problem. Like statistically speaking, I have, I'm probably more likely to get struck by lightning uh, than get into a, an Uber where somebody commits a criminal act. Uh, towards me, it's it's a highly unlikely. So uh, I just sort of weighed that, and then also like the Serbia thing. That's what happens. You know, this is again, this is like 15, 16 years ago, seventeen now. That's what happens when you travel solo, working for the U.S. government, living in a country that doesn't like the United States. I mean, I'm not gonna do that again. So no, I don't really worry about like 
the Italian carabinieri locking me up when I travel to Italy on vacation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I try and have rational fears. Now, the thing is, you can't really stop yourself from having irrational fears. If a spider landed on my face right now while I'm doing this, I would be like, ah, shit. And I would whack that thing right uh, off my cheek and, and create a loud noise and probably like knock myself off this chair, right? But I try not to get psyched out about stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Like, I understand if you're traumatized by an, uh, an event in your life, and I think that that's normal. But I also kind of decided that I don't want it to like define my interactions with other people. Well, I think that's going to be a sign of strength, by the way, right? Some people will let it define how they show up the rest of their life. Other people will, will put it in perspective and choose to interpret it a different way, maybe even let it empower them. And, and that's what you've done. It's right. a great segue into how in the heck did you go from working for the US government in Serbia to literally a podcast in Radio Star? Yeah. Well, you know, when I was in college, I didn't really know what I was going to do. When I was in law school, I worked. I got that fellowship from the, the US government to go to Serbia. Um, I'd already been there before as an English teacher. That's how I kind of got to know the place. And, and like I said, I really loved it. And I had a lot of friends there. So I, I really enjoyed it. And then I became a, a Wall Street attorney. I was working in finance. And I was like, oh, this is just one of those jobs I fell into, but it's super high paid. Um, you know, I was making like 180 grand my first year out of school, which is like more than my parents made at the peak of their career combined. And so I thought, this is really, really cool. And then the economy took a dip. And I was really kind of grateful because the firm said, look, we're going to have to lay many of you off. If you want to take a voluntary separation, we'll give you full salary and benefits for the rest of the year. And, I, and most people didn't take it. But I was like, yeah, this is great. What if they don't offer this deal to everyone else? So I ran and took it. Like I ran, <laughs> I ran and took that shit. And I used that money to start my previous company. And I'd already been doing the podcast because I'd already been teaching people networking skills and things like that based on my Wall Street experience. And it, my show had then by that point become like a dating program because most people were interested in how my networking skills applied to dating advice and relationship advice. So that started to scale up. I was also a host on Sirius XM Satellite Radio at that point. So I was, I was just thinking like, you know, I'll take a big ass pay cut if I can do my own thing and give it a shot. And it was partially inspired by a lot of my other lawyer friends. I was like, what are you going to do? Are you going to get another job? And most of them were like, yeah. And I thought, man, there's like 400 of us employ, uh, applying to work at the same places. No one's going to get these jobs. Do I really want this other job? And then some of my other lawyer buddies were like, you know what? I'm just going to take it a year or two. And I'm going to play the guitar and sing because that's what I want to do. And if I can't make it happen now, it'll never happen. And like one, one guy was like, I'm auditioning for Broadway shit. And I was like, you know what? These guys, I'm rolling my eyes, but I probably should take a page out of their book. I already have a business that's paying. These guys are trying to break into the most difficult entertainment industries around. And they're probably going to make it happen because they're really determined overachievers. I could make my, my thing happen too. And, and sure enough, I, I did actually. Um, but I'm kind of lucky that... I'm very lucky, in fact, that I was able to do that. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> you know? just kind of make it happen, by the way. I mean, you're, you've had a podcast journey that's been success after success after success. You didn't just like kind of make it happen. The, now, your show right now, you have 11 million downloads a month. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it fluctuates you know, between like... It's nine and 11, but you always put the largest number on your website because it's marketing, right? Well, you poor thing. I don't know how those months where it's nine, you must be suffering. You know, 
you don't want to see the trend. Like the first month <laughs> that it went from 11 down to like 9.5, I was or 10.5, I was like, uh oh. Then it was like 9.5, and I was like, no. And then I was like, oh, wait, that was December. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. January was better. February is better. You know, so you do start to worry about it. Like nobody wants to see things go down. Um, but that's sort of a good metaphor, right? Because you look at these, anything you look at up close in your life can always look like it's headed in a direction. But then if you zoom out far enough on the timeline, you realize it's either a regular fluctuation in your life or you're still way up. You ever look at a stock price and you're like, no, my Tesla stock's only $700 now. It was $800 two weeks ago or whatever. Like I'm freaking out. And then you zoom out and you go, wait, wait, wait. I bought this when it was $400, but then I got actually bought those before it was 400, and it split and it was four shares. Like, you know, you look at it and you're like, wait, okay, so my cost basis is like 50 bucks for this. Dude, I did I shouldn't it be complaining. the last two days with crypto. You know, it was up, 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 up. And then it sank. Yeah. And then I was like panicking, looking at the two day sample. I'm like, dude, look at the, look at the whole picture. You are so up right now. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, I totally yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone crying right now that Bitcoin's like $48,000. And I'm like, you paid $50 for this. <laughs> you know, or like you bought the coin for $600. You know what are you talking about? And um, it it's a it's a good reminder to zoom out on the timeline, right? Of, yeah. of your whole life. You know, people will say like, "Oh, this year's terrible. Life is terrible." And it's like, okay, zoom out on the timeline. What do you have that you didn't have five years ago? Okay, you married your wife. You have a kid. You know, you bought a house. Yeah, this year is a bummer, but like net net, you're way up. It's not even close. You know, zoom out on the timeline is is sort of like the the meme here that I think is is worth sort of repeating and. On top of that, uh, when you look at it's not just the financial thing, but like it, you know, I, I think also looking at putting too many eggs in one basket, right? This is this is kind of if you're only measuring one area or one metric in your life, that's that's also a recipe for unhappiness. Mm. And I'll I'll try and make a metaphor on the fly here with the crypto stuff. You know, if you're looking at Bitcoin price every day and you're getting your mood is dependent on whether or not mm. your the price is up or down. That's bad because it means you've probably put all of your hopes and dreams of retirement and your own, uh, I don't know, G6 or whatever flight, uh, jet into the price of, of Bitcoin. That's really unhealthy, not just because you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket, but because any one metric on any given day is a bad way to look at your life as a whole. So those people that are finance attorneys that are looking or fin financiers that are looking at their net worth as, as the valuable metric in their life, it's bad news. And it's a recipe for misery. And I would say that anytime you're looking at like how people view you, your Instagram follower count, your bank balance, those are bad metrics. And if you're looking at any one of them, it's really bad because those things can fluctuate day to day and you have very little control over that. Um, so I think people need to sort of create a bigger basket of metrics to look at. Because again, net net, a lot of us are up right now and it just doesn't look like it. Dude. Two really valuable pieces of advice. And, and I want to make sure everyone caught these. Number one, if you think you're going for it through a rough patch, zoom out a little bit and you'll see it's mm -hmm. just a blip. And, and that'll probably change your reaction and everything. That's really powerful. Second thing, got to be more diversified and take a look at what you're judging yourself and your happiness by. If it's your portfolio only, if it's one thing in your portfolio only, that's a recipe for disaster because of course it's going to go up and down. I love that. I want to take this a step back towards uh, podcasting that we're talking about. If sure. you're doing 11 million, 9 million, 10 million uh, downloads in a month, that's got to be what, 250 to 500,000 an episode? I'm just kind of winging it. Yeah. I mean, it depends. It does, again, if it sort of varies, but yeah, like 
it can be... I release 12 t- episodes a month, so okay. it ends up being like 200,000, give or take. But again, it fluctuates. You Here's know? where I'm going with this question. So the average person listening to the show, they're an aspiring entrepreneur. A lot of them do have a podcast. Um, and they're working really hard to grow this thing. But let's be honest, most, of sh- most shows out there are like one to 3,000 listeners per episode. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that second batch where everyone's like five to 10,000 per, li- you know, per, per episode. And then you've got that batch that... Com- now, not compared to you, but they're doing twenty five to 50,000 downloads per episode. And, and that's doing pretty damn good. Yeah, that's You're super respectable. You're 250,000, bro. What is the difference between you and all these other shows? Like, Give us something tangible here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would say, look, the first thing, and I never, I, I hate when people drive FOMO in others. So I'm going to start by saying, I've been doing this for 14 years. There's something to be said for that. When I run ads, I run ads for clients to help grow their podcasts, you know, and, and I have, it's, I don't have an agency or anything. I just have like some friends who are like, look, I have, you know, 600 grand. Can you grow my show? Mm-hmm. I will do that. And their ads will convert it like, let's say half a percent. This is just I'm I, I'm using fake numbers here for the sake of math because it's easier. And then I'll run an ad on the exact same show with very similar copy, except it's for the Jordan Harbinger show, and it'll convert it one percent or greater. And I'll go, what's going on here? My conversion is like significantly higher. And it took me a long, long time to figure out what this was because I couldn't isolate the variable. And I finally asked somebody who I know knows a ton about branding. And they said, you know, isn't it obvious? And I said, no, I, I really can't figure it out. I mean, my name is nothing special. The other guy has a better name of his show. Like, are these other clients have better show names? They're more creative than just calling it the Jordan Harbinger show. And my buddy who's like a brand expert goes, I can't believe you don't notice this. These people have probably heard of you before. You've been doing this for 14 years. And I went, oh, yeah. So if I run an ad... And you go, you know, I've heard about that guy like on and off for forever. I've never checked out that show. I should do it. I Then you get higher conversion than somebody who the first time they've ever heard of that show is from that specific ad. And it ne- that never occurred to me because I never think about branding or anything like that or brand recognition. But that's the only thing I can think of. So first of all, I do spend a lot on ads. But I think that my cost of acquisition is just much lower because people go, oh yeah, I saw that featured in the CastBox player, player. I saw it in the Apple charts. I remember five years ago, I heard one episode he did with you know Kobe Bryant. So there's some sort of brand awareness that's just like underneath the surface. You know, if, if I see an ad on a billboard while I'm driving to San Francisco and it's just a person sweating and they have a swoosh on their forehead, I'm like, that's a Nike ad. Right. And then I go, how old are my walking shoes? You know what? I bet they're really old. Let me check the app. Yep, these are old. Let me go to the shoe store. In fact, let's go to the Nike store. They have one in San Francisco and see if they have cool walking shoes. And I go buy Nikes, right? That shit worked. But if I see an ad that's a billboard and it's just someone sweating, and I go, what is this? And then I read at the bottom and it's like, some new shoe brand you've never heard of, get a great workout. I'm like, whatever. Yeah, you it just check doesn't out. register. Dude, right? that's really important. So, the familiarity is really what backs up them saying, hey, I'm going to give this show a shot. So it's funny you bring up running ads. I'm going to give you what we've been experimenting with lately. And I want your feedback. Stupid, maybe cool, or great idea. So okay. we've been running engagement campaigns where no opt-in, no anything, literally just some of my most popular posts to a lookalike audience in order to create awareness. Call it an awareness mm-hmm. campaign. No return on investment other than awareness. But then we can retarget them with a couple of our favorite episodes 
And our hope is something similar to what you're describing that they're like, where have I heard this guy before? Where have I seen this guy before? Well, it's because we probably hit you with our awareness campaign on a couple of other ads asking for nothing. And now we're asking you to check out the show. Good idea, bad idea, or can you give me feedback on that advice? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really good idea. I don't run any social media ads because I haven't been able to get them to work well, but you're an expert in that area and I am not. And I've hired experts in that area that didn't do well, but that doesn't mean that they were good at... Ex- <laughs> that doesn't mean they were good at it. I'm right? not, no, 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 you're the expert because you have 10 times the downloads that, that I do on each of these. So what do your ads look like that you're running? Can you share? So, so yeah, sure. So I only advertise on other podcasts because the problem is a lot of people say like, oh, social media converts really well. Does it though? If I'm running a social media ad uh, and let's say like half a percent, which I, I'm, as far as I understand is good when it comes to click-through rates and ads, half a percent, great. But how many of those people are podcast listeners? Okay, you targeted podcast listeners on social, great. But does that mean they currently listen to podcasts or they're just tagged as podcast listeners because they like Joe Rogan? Totally different thing, totally different person, totally different avatar. Then also, okay, they click through, but they're on Instagram and they're in the line at Starbucks trying to get coffee or they're in a drive-through. Are they going to listen to your show for an hour? No, maybe they never listen to shows that are an hour long. Okay, and also it's a really small blip. Now look at a podcast ad that's on another show where let's say the host and it's like Al Franken or somebody they trust or Andrew Yang is like the Jordan Harbinger show. It's awesome. I love it. Here's three episodes you should listen to. And that converts at half a percent. Okay, well, 100% of those people listen to podcasts because they heard it on a podcast. And 100% of those people are probably at one point or another looking for a new podcast to listen to, to listen to. And they're listening to one right now that is a similar format and probably a similar length as the Jordan Harbinger show. And now it comes with an actual endorsement. So I'm like, if I got to pick an audience, it's going to be those folks before I run social media ads. Dude, I did try genius. social media ads, but I was paying like $6 per conversion yeah. or something. That is freaking genius. So you're just straight up, they're creating bumpers for you. Yeah. they Well, they, they go in and they run like a 60 second, 90 second mid-roll ad that's like, I recommend the Jordan Harbinger show. Here's why. Here's a bunch of good episodes. Here's two that I think are good for this fans of the... Uh, Andrew Yang podcast or the Julian Castro or the whatever like Ben Shapiro show or whatever, whoever I'm advertising on. I don't want to just pick people on the left, get get uh, <laughs> sniped in emails. But like, you know, like those people endorsing it and talking about which episodes they recommend, it's just so much better than like, I think I saw that while mindlessly scrolling through Instagram looking at jewelry, right? Yeah, like, way better. That is brilliant. Yeah. That is okay. Thank you for for being cool enough to share that. What's the future of monetizing podcasts? Again, a lot of listeners here, they have a show, they're thinking about having a show. Where do you think the future of monetizing podcasts is going? You know, I don't sell products or services, but I used to when I made a lot of money doing it. And the reason I don't now is because I can run a very small team here with one other employee who is my wife and a couple independent contractors not run live events. You and I were sort of talking about that pre-show, like not running live events anymore. Um, maybe I'll sell a course that I work really hard to create. I have my networking course, but it's free, but I might do another course on another subject that's paid. Uh, and, I, and I run ads and the ads pay really well because the scale of the show is, is, is good. Like the, the number of people listening to the Jordan Harbinger show is hundreds of thousands. So the ads are really valuable. You know, get thousands of dollars for each one. Uh, and I can release a lot of them throughout the year. But I would say like most people, 
But if you're listening to this right now and you don't have a show that's 100,000 or 50,000 people, or let's say at least 25,000 people listening to each episode within 30 days, ads is not going to be a great way to make money. The best thing to do is to become an expert in a field, or hopefully you already are an expert in a field. And then you can create some product or service that you can sell to that audience because you have a really engaged, loyal audience. Self-sponsor. Yeah, self-sponsor. And and that is always going to have higher ROI. And, and everyone goes, okay, you say that, but how come you're not doing it? I don't want to service products and services or do live events yet. I don't want to do live events ever. You know, I talked about that. Yeah. But I, I will eventually do products. But in order to do things really well, and you know this, in order to do things really well, you have to be able to focus on it. So I have to hire somebody who's like good at customer service, is going to be good with refunds, payment systems, making sure this thing doesn't break. I don't just want to do what a lot of these like fake-ass gurus out there do, which mm-hmm. is be like, yeah, I uploaded some bullshit to one of those course websites that's down half the time and like Stripe in- the Stripe integration keeps charging you even though you try to cancel. Uh, but good luck. Here's my product. I'm never in there. The questions never get answered by anyone in the forums. You know, like I don't want to do that. They do that because they don't have to service it. But they should be servicing it. They just yeah. don't care. You know, they don't care about their audience. Syndrome out there right now. What do you think uh, Clubhouse will do to podcasts? Nothing. Um, I think that Clubhouse will disrupt Zoom conferences, and it will disrupt those people that used to do those annoying ass summits where like everyone contributes and then has to email it out to their list. Oh, I, I don't hate, think people I will care. To to I don't do ever that. do those. Yep. I don't think people will do that. Um, I, or I, I think that people will do less of that because they'll be like, join my Clubhouse room or people will still try to do the summits and everyone will be like, just do this on Clubhouse. Why do I have to like log in to uh, chrisandjordanteachknitting.com yeah. and then like use my reset my password and then like watch you guys on Zoom? I'm not going to do that shit. Just do it on Clubhouse, you wankers. Smart. And th- those will get demolished. I think it'll also turn into like a party line for teenagers in about two years when people go back to work and they don't have time to be like 12 hours in Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of these like... The appeal of being in a conference call uh, that seems like it's not a conference call will wear off for a lot of folks, especially busy high performers. I also think it will take the bottom out of fake... Speaking of fake-ass gurus, it'll take the bottom out of fake-ass guru podcastville where like the whole damn episode is an ad for your stupid academy. It'll demolish those because those people will go to Clubhouse which has higher engagement and they can be trickier because they can all team up. And then it's like Chris and Jordan teach uh, knitting MLMs. You know, (laughs) those won't be podcasts anymore. They'll be clubhouse rooms, which is good because it's sort of like anything that gets some of the bottom crusty gross stuff out of an industry is always always good good. if you're in that industry and I'm in the podcasting space. I don't want those people in in the space. Um, But it won't do much for like, let's say you're a true crime show or you're a really good interview program or you're a news program that's edited and produced well, it's not going to do squat to those people because at that point, your show is art in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. It's, It's like you have a murder mystery that's 12 episodes. Nobody wants that but recorded on AirPods and not downloadable and has seven other people talking over you, which is what Clubhouse is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like nobody wants that. People who want well-produced, high audio quality stuff with one or two people talking or even three, they don't want what Clubhouse is selling. It's a different product. It doesn't mean that Clubhouse has no value. It just means that it's not going to do anything to people that put a lot of time and work into their podcast. It's going to damage people who don't do anything to their podcast and are recording it on an iPhone in a car. 
Like those people are screwed. Dude, great take on that. I want to switch directions one last time. Uh, I want you to talk to me about networking because when I was you know, checking out what you've been up to lately, I noticed that you've got a six-minute networking course. And the reason why this question is important to me is you're one hell of a networker. Um, I know we know a lot of the same people. I like to think it's one of my superpowers too. Talk to me about this networking course or more importantly, why networking? Networking is... It's sort of... Man, it, that's a whole show in itself, right? Why networking? It's really, really freaking important. And that can't be overstated. You know, I... I know everyone's like, oh yeah, I've heard the majority of raises, you know, in jobs you get through your network. Yes, yes, and yes. But also, more importantly, when you don't when you don't have any money and you're down and you've got to like refund three hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff or whatever <laughs> yeah. you and I were talking about pre-show, or your business collapses, or you know, you run out of something or you have a serious problem in your life, you can't buy insurance for everything. And your network is like the only reason why many of the, us who run into those difficulties survive. A network will help you raise good children. It will help you run your business. It will help you when your business goes under. It will help you when you get sued. It will help you when you have to rebuild. Um, that type of thing, you can't buy insurance for all of those things. Like I said, your network is the best insurance policy that money could never buy. And most people never focus on it. They never work on it. They feel like they either don't need it, they're already good at it, and or that they can't do it because insert you know excuse here. Most of many of which the excuse is there's a black box around how to do it well or in a way that doesn't feel gross or in a way that's scalable. And so what I did in six minute networking, which is free and doesn't require any credit card upload, you know, crap, nothing like that. Um, the reason I decided to teach this was because. I kept hearing young people be like, I'll network later. I got to get started in my career. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I used to think that too. But Skipping no, that's not how this foundation. works. Right. It's not optional. It's not something you do later. This is the foundation. This is the beginning of how you create a career. Um, there's a lot of people... When I used to teach... And I still teach networking, but I don't do live events anymore. When I used to teach uh, public, the networking stuff... It was like guys who were taking the course, guys and gals, were like, yeah, I've been working at Amazon for six years. I've capped out. Somebody I hired four years ago is running the project that I'm on. And I was just like, what the hell? And I go, all right, let's dissect this. And it's always network. It's always, I kept my head down and I'm the best damn you know, COBOL, JavaScript programmer, Python, whatever in the whole place. Why did they promote this guy who used to work under me? And I go, you know what? He developed good relationships. He got on all the desirable pro uh, products and projects. He got on a leadership track. You were the good workhorse that never really did any of that. And so now that guy makes more than you and is your boss. And, and they're like, I know, I got to fix this. Um, same with any... E even in rigid organizations, I'll get an excuse like, I can't network. I'm in the military. We don't do that. And then I'll talk to somebody who's like a general and they go, networking is everything in the military. Yes. And I go, ah... There's a huge problem if the people at the bottom don't know that your network is everything and the people at the top do. There's a reason why people at the top are always saying that it's, you know, the, all those cliches, your network is your net worth and all that crap. It's because it, it ends up being true, but people at the bottom think it either doesn't apply to them or they can't do it. And that's one reason why they never actually get ahead. Like, it's almost like it, people will complain about the old boys network in any sort of industry. Yes, it exists. It's not a fake thing. It exists, but you can create it around you. So whenever you're like, oh, it's all about who you know, and it's, you're all salty, 
You should be making that your unfair advantage. You should be using that unfair advantage, not just whining about how other people have it. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. So how do you think it's changed? I mean, I only know you because I was networking in person, right? Somebody introduced us at Thrive. That's how we know each other. That's gone away for a while. It's gone away for the past year. It's gone away for the while. How? What's the best way to network now if we're stuck at our homes or some states are shut down and some aren't? Sure. Yeah. The best thing to do now is to just realize that, look, you can't network in person. And also, in-person networking, to be honest, is incredibly inefficient. You know, I could probably look at the people I met at an event that I was at and go, oh man, I met like maybe, maybe at a, a, a really busy one, I met like a dozen people that I would keep in touch with that I connected with well. That's a lot, but not really for four days. Yeah. You know, and you can meet more than that. And people are like, I have a stack of 60 business cards. Those people don't know who the fuck you are. Just no. stop right now. No. <laughs> so, so I realize now I go, all right, I have tons of people in my phone I haven't talked to in eight years. I have tons of people on Facebook that I haven't talked to in like so 15 good. years. Yeah. So, so a drill that I give people when they're first starting out is I go, all right, if you got laid off tomorrow or your business imploded, who are the 15 people that you would reach out to because you're like, oh, dude, I my business failed or like I'm screwed. Re- make that list. Reach out to those people now when you don't have an agenda because if someone hasn't heard from you for eight years and you're like, hey, Chris, what's going on, bro? You're like, okay, is it Herbalife or Scientology? Like, what do you want? <laughs> you know? And so you're on guard. And then in six months when I reach out again, you're like, okay, I guess he's probably just keeping in touch. And then after like three years, you're like, yeah, we're friends. We just never met in real life, which is weird, but that's the that's what's up on the day and age of the internet. Or exactly. yeah, we're friends. We met once, but we're buddies because we keep in touch. And then if my freaking business burns down, I'm like, Chris, I need a favor. You're like, dude, sure. Yeah. What happened? Oh my God, this is terrible. How can I help? You're not like, wait a minute, you're only reaching out to me because you need something. So reach out to people now when you don't have an agenda and just kick the rust off your network and get the ball rolling. And then another drill that I do every single day, I call it Connect Four, is I open my phone, I go in the text messaging app, and I scroll all the way to the bottom. And that's where there's those threads where it's like you met three people at a lunch with one of your other good friends. And you just never saved their numbers or you saved their number, but you never talked to them again. I text four of those people and just kind of get an update on what's going on with them. Tell them what's going on with me. See if there's anything that I can help with uh, or it, what they're doing just in case they don't know I can help them with it. I just want to get an idea for their projects or what they're working on. If I re-engage four people a day, let's say I skip weekends, let's say half reply and the other half are like too busy, don't remember me, whatever, fine. I'm re-engaging like 40 people a month, right? Or more just by texting people, which is time I would spend like checking Instagram or farting, like culture warring on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like who cares? (laughs) Just wasted time. And so those people, most of them, nothing ever comes of it. But once every couple of weeks or even depending on how much momentum you get every few days, someone will hit you and go, Hey, do you still do speaking? Because I'm about to walk into a sales meeting right now. And I would love to put your name in the hat. And this isn't somebody I talked to that morning. This is somebody I talked to three months ago, but I'm still top of mind because we just caught up recently three months ago. And so when you're top of mind for 100 or 300 people at any given time, they're going to ask you for things and you're going to be able to help them. They're going to be able to help you for with something that you want. You're going to be able to introduce those people to one another and generate referral currency and social capital and things like that. But you will never do that if you have no idea what they're up to. And also, you can't just say on Saturday afternoons, I network because you're going to spend five hours sending texts and emails, mm-hmm. you know, and it's you're going to hate it. You're going to have a to-do list that's a mile long. 
if you just do with four people a day, it doesn't feel like work. You forget that you're doing it and it still has all of the benefits of talking to 80 or a hundred, no, sorry, uh, like 180 people a month, which you would never do on a Saturday. You're doing it over the course of the month, just kind of what, you know, in time that you'd be wasting otherwise. Man, I love the intentionality and the structure behind that system. Where can we get the rest of the course? Sure. Uh, jordanharbinger.com slash course. Again, it's free. You don't have to enter your credit card info or anything. I just want people doing this because when you do, you start to realize like, holy crap, this is easy. It's a, it's just such a, a, a high leverage exercise, a high leverage course. There's more than just those two exercises in there. It's such a high leverage skill networking. And it becomes like one of those... I don't, there's got to be a term for this, but it's like a key skill set, right? Mm-hmm. It's like sales. Where when you can do it, you're just so much more valuable and secure and you make so much more money and your finance your projects go better and your financial security is so much better. It's just one of those sort of like high leverage skill sets that when you don't have it, you kind of don't really know what you're missing. But when you do have it, you're like, holy shit, how did I not get my ha- handle on this earlier? Dude, I could not agree more. So jordanharbinger.com forward slash course. Yeah. Yeah. Right we'll on the homepage, the you can find it too. too. Thank you for making that free, man. That's awesome. Before yeah. I ask you the last question... Where should we follow you? Like, where's the best place to be in touch with you these days? Yeah, uh, look, the Jordan Harbinger Show is my show. I spend a lot of time preparing interviews with amazing people. I really would love it if people went to check it out. Or also, jordanharbinger.com. I'm at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, people hit me on LinkedIn all the time. I'm super available. But you know, the, the whole point is get the show out to people because that's, that's the art, man. Yeah, man. I love that. And, and you do it so well. Okay, last question. Our show's tagline is when good people make good money, they can do great things. Sometimes it's supporting a charity. Maybe it's creating good jobs. Maybe it's retiring your parents or something like that. What is one great thing you've been able to do because of your success? You know, I, I give people really good advice, if I do say so myself, uh, about... <laughs> you do. And, uh, but like I'm trying, right? And I do that about how to get a raise at work and Feedback Friday episodes are all advice. I do that for people in a very low trust media environment. Like what journalist do you know where you're like, this person tells the truth? There's only one or two or zero of those people in your life. So I like to be the person where my audience knows that I'm telling them something that is accurate. I might make a mistake, but I'm telling them something that I believe in. Unlike many people in the media these days, that's another reason why I don't sell anything because I feel like a lot of people who do are just like, hey, the best way I know to make money... Selling pogs. That's why I have pogs.com. Buy these bottle caps from me. That's how I got rich. It's just bullshit. You know, so like I'm trying to be a high trust figure in people's lives. And what that what that ends up doing is allowing me to pass on wisdom to those people, which helps them get away from abusive situations, get into better jobs, uh, find a better partner, start something they like, quit something that's bad for them. You know, that's what I want to do, like making pe- very personal changes. Um, to lots and lots of people, not just making them wealthy or something like that, but really helping them with what ails them. And, um, and that's a privileged position. And that's what I'm able to do because I have such good reach with the Jordan Harbinger show. But I also think the reason I have such good reach with the Jordan Harbinger show is because people share shit that helps. And, and that's what I'm doing. Man, let me tell you something. Uh, I think when I was looking at your website before, you had these things called three truths or three something. And one of them was leave people better than you found them. And you absolutely do that. You absolutely did it today. You're living your life that way as you just described. And and I just got to give you the hugest shout out and the biggest thank you, man, for showing up the way that you do. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That was a really old thing in my bio where I think I was saying, 
leave everything and everyone better than you found them. It used to be the tagline for my show. And I still like that, right? Like yep. I love if it. somebody's being really horrible to you, you can at least try and get them out of that mood. Or, you know, if somebody's in a bad mood, you can make them smile. Like it, it can be really small. I sort of have taken it a little bit further where I'm like, okay, I want to not just leave people better. I want people to be able to trust me with, with really hard problems and then help them get really good advice. Because a lot of people grow up with shitty parents, shitty friends, shitty bosses, shitty careers. And I'm like, you know, the real privilege that people talk about, it's not just being born like a white guy in suburban America. That's part of it. But the real privilege is like, I grew up in, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up with normal parents that gave me good advice. Most people don't really have that. Or I should say many people don't really have that. Or they have a little bit of that, but not enough. And we need more of that. We don't need gurus selling like get rich quick courses on, you know, drop shipping on Amazon. Dude. If you sell that, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I don't. So <laughs> dude, just kidding. listen, thank you so much for being on the show. It means the world. Guys, go check out the Jordan Harbinger show. Uh, if, you, if you like the small sample of them, you're going to freaking love the stuff he kicks out three, four times a week. So again, brother, thank you for being on the show. It means a lot that you took this hour to be on here. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.